and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore, the podcast where we dissect popular mottos, mantras and metaphors, tracing their origins and seeing how they translate into everyday life. Each week, we invite a special guest who resonates with their chosen expression. metaphor really had me thinking about my life and how I would constantly put others before I look after myself. That's something that a mother does, right? But more and more, I find that a lot of us, whether we are parents or not, we care so much about the people around us that we forget ourselves. We forget who we are really because we're so busy making sure that everyone is all right and it's not often that we get with a girlfriend and we start talking about the things that we really want to do they just seem to just stay in within us because we're just trying to set the foundation to make everyone else better. Well, that's what I think anyway. And that's one of the reasons why I met our guest this week. I was attending a health symposium and this guest was one of the speakers there. And I really loved her passion about being healthy. And uh, we just struck up a friendship. So I thought, let me just check in on her. And in talking to her, I realized that things had changed for her in many ways different ways and in ways I didn't think that that's the path she was going to take then she explained to me what happened and I thought oh my gosh she's going to be a wonderful guest and I asked her I said but you know what in order to be a guest you need to tell me about a metaphor and straight away she told me the metaphor that she's going to be discussing today Her name is Liliana Gonzalez, and she'll be talking to us about maintaining our own self-wellness and happiness. But before our interview with Liliana, we'll be looking at today's chosen metaphor, which is what she chose. Stop setting yourself on fire to keep others warm. Of course, today's metaphor doesn't mean you should literally go out and set yourself on fire, but more in the sense that you should never overwork yourself, mentally putting yourself on fire to ensure everybody else is fine and safe. So after all, our own health and safety is just as important as everyone else's. Our metaphor for today can easily apply to any one of us, to our everyday lives. By pure accident, by human nature, we're constantly aiming to please and help others. Whether that be in our personal lives with our family, in our social lives with our friends, or even at work with our colleagues. But whilst it's important to look out for one another, ensuring that those close to us are protected and cared for, we can often spend so much time looking out for others that we run the risk of not giving enough time and attention to ourselves and our own well-being. Similarly, if we sometimes feel pressurized by the world around us, we can cave into these pressures and land up devoting too much of our time and energy to the concerns around us, which we most often can't do anything about. Imagine a balloon floating around. Suddenly, some pressure is applied to it. For a while, the balloon can still retain its shape and stability, but too much and... Our minds, our bodies are a bit like balloons in a way, aren't they? We all crack under too much pressure. Yes, us humans are capable of a wide variety of impressive things, but we're not invincible, which is why we need to make sure that we can always deal with the pressure facing us.
bit of a detour here, but when was the last time you went on a plane? As a precautionary health and safety announcement, the pilot or the stewardess will advise passengers before setting off on their journey to put on your own oxygen mask first before helping those around you. It's synonymous with today's metaphor and has become an inspirational quote of sorts on social media. The idea that you put your own oxygen mask on first means that, yes, we should always look out for those closest to us, but at the end of the day, you should always care for yourself first and foremost. We're the only ones capable of knowing when we're not feeling 100%. At the core of this metaphor, stop setting yourself on fire to keep others warm, is the idea of self-love, a concept that we will explore the origins of in this show and how important it is to us all. If you've watched the popular Netflix series, You, then you'll be familiar with the character of Love Quinn, played by Victoria Pedretti, a character whose destructive obsession with the show's protagonist, Joe, leads her down some dark paths in the second and third series. Now you'll hear Pedretti discuss this in a recent interview. Victoria, your send-off is like so epic. Um, And I just would love to hear kind of what your parting uh, take on the character is. I've been been talking about, you know, obsession, how she kind of uh, obsesses over, you know, other people and desires being obsessed over and kind of deals in other people and, 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 and doesn't really deal with herself. She engulfs herself in others and, and, and engulfs others, you know, like her, her child. So I really, I really hope that that can help us reflect on the importance of taking care of ourselves and uh, confronting ourselves and dealing with ourselves and knowing ourselves and loving ourselves and exploring what it might mean to be authentic to yourself. Um, in order to contribute more to the world and have better relationships and not date a serial killer, (laughs) you know? But is there a fine balance to be struck with self-love and looking out for others? If you're a bit of a comic book buff, then you'll be familiar with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy. In the second film of this trilogy, Maguire's Peter Parker grapples between his dual lives, that of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and that of Peter Parker. He not only wants to excel at his science studies, but also wants to be with the love of his life, Mary Jane Watson. However, Parker finds that his super alter ego is taking over his personal life and that he's devoting too much of his resolve to ensuring the safety of the citizens of NYC. Finally, he dumps his Spider-Man costume in a back alley. Parker finds that his life is pretty much looking up. Is tau equals zero. The eigenvalues are someone, please. 0.23 electron volts. Excellent work today, Parker. Keep it up. Nothing's worrying me. But it's not long before Parker finds he has to put the mask back on. The world needs Spider-Man, as evidenced by his Aunt May. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble, and finally allows us to die with pride 
even though sometimes we have to be steady and, and give up the thing we want the most. Even our dreams. Spider-Man did that for Henry, and he wonders where he's gone. In Peter Parker's sense, he was putting on the Spider-Man mask, not the oxygen mask first, for those around him. Whilst he should have been putting his own Spider-Man mask on first to save himself. True, Spider-Man's responsibility is to look out for the innocents around him, so he's not a very selfish character, is he? But nevertheless, this is still relevant to our metaphor as Parker was sacrificing his own sacrifice and his own well-being, and he wasn't even realizing it. So he's completely forgotten to practice self-love. At the end of Spider-Man 2, Parker takes up the mantle of the webbed wonder once again, not realizing just how much he was depended on. Yet this does not hinder Parker's outlook. He's realized his own inner boundaries and his weaknesses and accepts them. And on a happier note, Parker also finally lands with Mary Jane at the film's conclusion, able to find a fine balance between his life as Spider-Man and his life as Peter Parker. Our guest for today is Liliana Dominguez-Gonzalez, a personal friend of mine. We'll be discussing her wellness journey and how this translated into her business. With the COVID pandemic affecting all of us, especially mentally, we'll be chatting about how she's had to adapt to the challenges and changes the past few years have brought. so great to see you after all these years i mean we yeah it's been quite a long time and i was trying to think of when last we saw and it was in st lucia and i don't even remember the year i don't know if you would remember i believe it was 2018 no way it was either 2018 or 2019 i remember it was in february because it's beautiful weather in st lucia during that time and yeah i remember it was around then it's been a while yes yes and you were doing some really special things things over there in St. Lucia and I know that of course things never stay the same things change so what have you been up to well, well it has been a whirlwind to be honest with you my wellness journey has been ongoing it started out prior to meeting you I was doing small events and really just putting together these great meetings for men and women to get together and talk about wellness and bringing it into their properties into their spas into the hotels and that really hasn't changed what has changed is how it's being delivered obviously the pandemic has really hit having meetings one-on-ones getting together in groups so I started doing them more online and really doing them in a smaller basis where it was instead of being 30 people together, it was up to 10 people, but really talking about what wellness means, what it means to every person individually. As we know, your wellness is different from mine, and it's really about captivating and really honoring our own wellness. And I have just really been doing that. I moved from Colombia back to the U.S., so last year was really somewhat a chaotic time. It was fantastic because I had to uh, just kind of really you know, roll with the punches and just be really receiving instead of just always having to plan things. I just had to just kind of go with the flow. And it was a little bit out of my element for sometimes, but it was a great move. My kids are loving it out here back in Florida. And just a lot of things have opened up for me. I have some really great opportunities to do what I love. And that is continuing with wellness. I am currently
currently assisting at the Four Seasons Fort Lauderdale on their wellness journey. So it's been really a fantastic year. Again, a whirlwind, but really fantastic. Well, that makes sense to me why you would choose your metaphor, which is stop setting yourself on fire to keep others warm. Tell us about that metaphor. What does it mean to you? That hits home to me so much because I am such a giver and I'm always selfless. I'm constantly making sure that everybody's okay. My kids, my family, my friends, and I really stopped taking care of myself. It wasn't that I wasn't getting ready or, you know, uh, fixing my hair or makeup. It was more about, you know, really fine-tuning what it was that made me happy. And I felt like I was falling apart, but what was actually happening was I was becoming me. And this year has really opened up my eyes and I said, stop, you know, I I need to really look and just honor myself and say, you know what, what's going to make me continue to be this, you know, giver and how am I going to be the best of me if I'm not fulfilling my own needs? So that's why I I just literally had to put down boundaries and I Mm -hmm. had to say no to things that I was always saying yes to. I had to stop, you know, taking tasks or doing the little things that my kids can honestly do for themselves now. So it was, you know, relearning how to be me. And it's been a fantastic journey. I mean, there are days that I'm like, am I doing this right? You know, did I say no too many times? But I'm really just honoring myself and not being selfish, but really being more about self-care and taking care of me. Well, you know, you said something there that and I think the key is about being happy and being happy in such a way that you're still taking care of those who you love, but also you're looking after yourself. And I think that a lot of women, we fall into that, you know, and I always say to my children, we know this saying about a woman's job is never done. It's true because, whether, you know, we have a career, we have our own interests, we're mothers, you know, we're, we're daughters. So we're taking care of everything, you know, we're wives. We, we're taking care of so many things. And at least when a, a man comes home, there are things already in place for him, which a woman has organized most of the time. And so the woman tends to always put other people first. And it also reminds me of a book and people who follow me will know I say this time and time again, and I will never get tired of repeating this. I, I remember it was many, many years ago. I was in a really bad place. I really didn't know where I was at. And that was because I was in a long-term relationship. And within that time, I was kidding myself. I was more unhappy than I was happy but with my timing. And then one day out of the blue, he said, I'm leaving. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I spent all this time staying in this relationship. But when I started reading it, the first, one of the first questions it asked me was, what makes you happy? And I, in the workbook, I started writing down all the things that made me happy. And then I read it back. And when I read it back, I realized I didn't write anything about what made me happy. I wrote things about what my ex-partner, the things that made him happy, cooking the meat a certain way, getting in a certain time so I could do this. It was all about him and all about, you know, maybe my children, which of course, that's to me, that's right. And then I thought, wait a minute, there's nothing there about me. And that's why it took me so long because I 
had to write that answer again. And it took me months, to be honest, because I had forgotten what it was like to make me happy. I'd forgotten. I didn't know. And it took me such a long time to for that realization to sink in. And I think that a lot of women, as you said earlier, we just we just naturally do it. And then sometimes when people say, do your own thing, you know, you've got to make yourself happy. Some people start to feel kind of like they're selfish, like women, they think, oh, no, I can't do that. And and yet we can. So your metaphor, it's it really talks strongly to that. My daughter, who is now 12, and going back to what you were saying about being in a relationship and not being happy, but also just being there for the person. I went through the same thing. And I remember my daughter said to me, I want you to find somebody who loves you like Leo. And Leo is our dog. And my, he's my baby. Aww. And that hit me so hard because she saw that I was doing everything for my ex-partner <laughs> and for my family. And I wasn't getting it back. And when she said that to me, like that hit home. And I was just like, you know what? I need to love me again. I need to fall in love with me. I know I'm worthy. And I, and it's like you said, us as mothers and as entrepreneurs, businesswomen, we are always taking on so much on our plates. And we sometimes feel that we can't say no to people, but we actually can. And that actually makes us more appreciative of our time. And also it makes people appreciate us because we can then create boundaries that are healthy. My daughters, I want them to know that they are worthy. I want them to know that, you know what, it's okay for them to say, no, I don't want to hang out with you this weekend and them do their thing. I want them to be independent, strong, and be able to have a voice. And I felt for the longest time I had lost my voice. And it was just simple things. It was just basic, simple things that I had to do. I just had to clearly identify what I wanted to do. I wanted to know what really made me happy. I wanted to understand why I needed to do this. And it was for my own health. And going back to another metaphor is you can't pour from an empty cup, which is true because I was just running on empty and I was on autopilot. And it wasn't that I wasn't happy as a person. I was happy, but I wasn't happy of who I was because I didn't even know what made me happy at that time. Yes. And I suppose when, especially in the industry that you work in, you know, yes. you're into health and luxury lifestyles and all those kind of things. So I suppose in one way, that's your kind of your love because it's not just yes. a career for you. It's your love. So you put, you throw yourself into that and you're advising people in terms of whether it's your skin, whether it's internally, you're advising people. But as it is with most of us, we're always better advising others. It's true. I can tell you how to be healthy and uh, bring in wellness. And there are times that I'm like, why am I not doing this for myself? Why am I taking on more on my plate? Why couldn't I have said no to this? Why am I looking for acceptance? Why am I not just happy with what I have right now? And that's the whole part. It's finding out what makes you happy. And like you said, writing that paragraph and then rewriting it. I have done that this year. I had to, you know, really take a look and say, okay, this is what makes me happy. And then I wrote it down because it looked good on paper. But then I read it and I was like, well, that really isn't who I am. And then it was like, oh, I love being with my kids. I love taking them here. I love doing this. It's like, okay, but then what? What is it? So it, mine was, I found out that mine is interpersonal connections. That's what makes me happy. Having real strong relationships where I can count on people and people can count on me mm-hmm. unconditionally, yes. that happiness to me, but also me respecting my boundaries and my timelines also. And when I say no now, I high five myself. I'm like, I am living what I'm saying. And it just, it makes me happy because so many times I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. It was always, yes, yes, yes. 
yes. And now it's, and I don't apologize. That's the thing. It's like before it would be like, oh, you know, I can't do that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But now I'm like, this is not going to work for me right now. Thank you for thinking of me, though. Yes. And I just let them know. It's, you know, it's okay to ask me again. But, you know, at this time, it's not going to work. So it's not a hard no, but it's a no for now. So it's been very helpful. And it's kept me sane. It's, again, those boundaries are, and there are times that we falter. And it's fine. It's not about saying, oh, my God, why did I do that? It's about, okay, how can I correct this? It's continued, and it's about trusting your gut as well. Yes. You know, you know what's right, and you know what's not right. Yes. You know when it's like let go of some things that you just can't control. It's like all the kind of negative things that sometimes we attach to ourselves. If we can just start to believe in ourselves, we can get rid of them. So, for example, a lot of people say, well, because we're suffering from low self-esteem, we can't do this and we can't do that. And, yeah, I, I really do respect that because there are times, in, in I think, in everyone's lives that we go through this low self-esteem. And if my best friend says, oh, you know, you look great. Other, mm. But if a stranger says to me, oh, you look great. I might take that on board more than my best friend because I'm thinking, well, they see me all the time. They're just saying that because they love me. And when a stranger says it, it just means a totally new thing. So from what you're saying, it seems as if the more confidence you have in yourself, the more likely you'll be able to say no. But in saying no, if you choose the right type of language, it might make you feel easier that you're saying no and the other person yeah will maybe understand it in a more gentle manner than if you just said no I'm not doing it that's that's the whole beauty of it it's about saying no in a way that is not going to offend the person and it's also in a way that you're honoring yourself I can't at this time and but maybe in the future and it's fine to do that because you are also honoring the, that you don't want to put so much stuff on, on your plate that you aren't doing things in a way that it's not your full attention or it's not your best work. Yes. And that's, I don't want to be in an industry of wellness and not giving them my full well attention. That is something that's really important to me because this past year I have had such amazing opportunities. I was in Los Angeles for a while working at the West Hollywood Edition Hotel. I was there for almost four months helping them create their spa, you know, building up their wellness. And from there, that opened so many doors. Now, you know, with Four Seasons, I went to Alabama. I did that some other consulting. I also do some sales with robes and slippers with Majestic. And it's just open up doors that I can't even, I always think, yeah, I have to pinch myself. I'm like, mm -hmm. is this really what's going on? And it's because I have been honoring myself more and I have been doing things in a right way and creating those boundaries where I am time blocking myself. I am respecting my calendar. And that, that was hard at first because calendars for me were just, it was like, okay, birthdays are down or this weekend I have to go to Alabama or to Texas or to whatever and that's what I looked at a calendar instead of actually it helping me keep my life in order what do you do when you want to relax let's forget about work and the career when you want to relax what makes you happy I love going to the beach and I have always loved living near the beach and just if I want to just kind of get like a second wind or just to really relax I go to the beach and just chill I don't need music I don't need a book I just want to be in the moment and that to me is almost like I feel like the ocean calms me and it, it calls for me a lot like I know when I'm stressed and I know I just mm -hmm. need to go out and I and I, I'll tell the kids hey let's go to the beach and sometimes I get like a little oh mom come on and you know I have to like coerce them but uh, they'll come mm -hmm. with me <laughs> I literally feel like a new woman every time I get in the ocean I, I think there's magic in the ocean I mm -hmm. honestly 
do. It's just, <laughs> do that. I also just kind of bundle up in front of the TV and just watch, you know, some rom-coms. That makes mm. me happy. Just watch <laughs> movies. Yeah. I get a smile from ear to ear and my kids are like, what are you watching? And I'm like, oh, you know, and it's something, you know, silly. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't even think something right now. But anyway, it's just those are little things are just, you know, really spending time alone and just finding out what I'm going to, you know, continue to do. Not really, you know, like outlining or anything, but just, just living in the moment. Yeah. In years, I've always been planning and, you know, I had, a, like I said, an agenda. I had to do this and this and that. And just like living in the moment. At first, I felt lost. I felt like I wasn't doing anything with my time. I thought, okay, I'm really being wasteful. Like I'm wasting my time. I'm not doing what I should be doing. But I keep on going back to... There's a poem and it's about falling apart and it's about, it's a woman who's pleading to, to God or to, you know, whoever, you know, she believed in. And it was about saying, you know, why is this happening to me? Why is it you're taking away all these things that made me happy? Please help me. And it's, and it was, you know, it was like, I'm not taking anything away from you. You are actually just becoming yourself. And it was about becoming your best version of you. Mm-hmm. And no, you don't need those other things. Mm-hmm. You don't need those things that you thought you needed or that you thought made you feel accepted or loved or liked. It was just about finding out who your true self is. And I felt that. I felt that this year with the whole uh, finding out what I really loved. And I felt like, okay, maybe it's not, you know, hanging out with my then husband or maybe it wasn't. You know, of course it was fun because it was family stuff, but that wasn't what my true happiness was. Mm -hmm. I was doing things that keep others happy yes i think uh you are well i know you are definitely not alone you are definitely not alone on that but i mean we've spoken about you know where you where you're coming from and the things that you're doing right now is there anything in specific for the future that you you're planning for yourself or are you just kind of going with the flow but on the right type of flow i've said to myself that i'm just gonna kind of let things happen organically for myself (laughs) instead of trying to plan too much obviously I still plan on um, doing consulting and continuing with my wellness journey. But for myself, as a woman, I feel that, I, you know, everybody's always saying, oh, well, are you going to start dating? Are you going to do this? Like, and I said, you know, I want it to just come organically. I want it to be at the right time. Mm-hmm. I want to be whole. And that was another thing going through this journey. It's becoming whole again because mm-hmm. pieces were ripped out and you feel that you're empty in some areas. Mm-hmm. And it's because... You're used to having things. So my journey for myself this continuing this year is letting things happen organically, knowing to trust my gut because my gut has never been wrong and not second guessing that. And I did that for so many years. I would second guess. I'd be like, well, maybe that's maybe that's not a red flag. Maybe it's overseeing it or overthinking it. And I just doubted myself for such a long time that I just want to just be like, you know, what? I want to be as real as I can this year. I want to be in the moment with my kids. The things that I've planned are taking them away on vacation so they are given experiences instead of material things. I think that that uh, creates more uh, memories, and that's what I am planning on doing this year, continuing with my own wellness journey while helping others create theirs, helping others create what wellness looks to them, and it could be beautiful chaos, and Mm. it's fine as long as it's what makes you happy and as long as it's helping you become a better person or finding out who you truly are and what makes you happy so that is what i plan to do for myself i'm not only helping others do that but i'm doing it for myself this year too 
Well, Lillian, you've been an inspiration today. You really have. I think that a lot of us identify with you, and I really hope that throughout our conversation that if there's been any woman out there who's thinking, oh gosh, I know how that feels, but I haven't done that yet, please make that start. Just acknowledge what it is that you want to do and take tiny steps. You know, as I say, Rome wasn't built in a day, but the first thing is to the acknowledgement and then saying, I'm going to do something about it. It's not just in my head. I am going to do something about it. And I find that when you take that first step, all the other steps become a little easier. They don't become harder. I think the first one is the hardest, but then it becomes easier to try and get yourself to where you need to, to be. So Liliana, thank you once again. And, and don't be a stranger. I want to be part of that the new things that you're doing. I think you are on the right track to not just yourself happy, but others around you too. Thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure speaking with you. And yes, let's not make it another three years or four years. Yeah. <laughs> In the first half of our show, we discussed the metaphor, stop setting yourself on fire to keep others warm and how it relates to the idea of self-love and respect. Now we're going to explore the origins of this concept and how there may be another fine line between self-love and selfishness. So what is self-love? Well, it's showing or expressing love towards yourself. As just like I mentioned earlier in the show, we need to ensure that we care about ourselves and look after ourselves. But sometimes we struggle when we don't feel that way. We've all got a perception of ourselves, whether that be positive or negative. A lot of factors can go into affecting our perceptions too, ranging from things we may have or may not have done in our past, our youth and our current outlook towards the world. I mean, how often have we criticized our lost faith in ourselves if we felt like we didn't put enough effort into certain things? Whether that may have been a maths exam that we set in school or blaming ourselves for losing contact with friends. Self-criticism is, whether you like it or not, an intrinsic part of human nature. In some ways, it's extremely helpful as it helps to know what we've done right and what we could do better. If we recognize these faults, then begins the path to self-love as we're accepting and acknowledging that we've made mistakes, that they are a part of us, but we still love ourselves regardless. But back to our metaphor. Where do we draw the line between spending too much time looking after oneself and looking after those around us? Is self-love any different to selfishness? Or is there really just a thin line between the two after all? Believe it or not, but ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle explored this. In the moral vocabulary and our deliberations and discussions of our own time, we often like to frame things between a in, a, in a contrast between egoism on the one side and altruism on the other side. Egoism meaning something like placing oneself first, uh, being primarily motivated by how things affect oneself. Altruism being merely its opposite, or you know, you might say it's, it's logical opposite. Whatever isn't egoism is altruism. Altruism is being other regarding, uh, you know, placing others first uh, by contrast to dealing with what, what's required for us. For Aristotle, this is actually sort of a sign that, that things are fundamentally mistaken. And he is going to consider a debate in his own time 
that has to do with should a person be a lover of self, literally friends with themselves, or, or desiring or loving or feeling affection towards themselves over other people. So he asks the question, who should we love, that is feeling, feel affection towards, be friendly towards, take care of, who should we love more, self or others? And if you try to come up with a one side or the other side, a yes or no, sort of like on-off switch approach to this, Aristotle thinks that you're going to get it wrong. Because the line runs through the kinds of things uh, in relation to which we ought to be more self-regarding or more... So according to Aristotle, there is no right or wrong answer. All this issue is not to focus on whether a person is simply looking to their own interests or simply looking to another person's interests. It's rather to look at what kind of goods are motivating them. What basis is there for the decision-making that they're engaging in, and thus the moral evaluation that we're making from the outside of their, their behavior? Another way to put this is to ask, well, what do you actually mean when you say that somebody is selfish? As a side note, by the way, a lot of the you know, conundrums that we face about egoism and altruism work precisely like this. People will say, well, everybody's really, at, at bottom, egoistic. Because, you know, even the people who are doing things to benefit other people because they like when other people are benefited, they're really just doing that to get something for themselves, that feeling of, of doing good for others. And, you know, when you hear people say stuff like that, there should be sort of a, a reflection uh, at first of, well, okay, that sounds a bit reasonable. And then afterwards, like, you're not even talking about the same thing. You know, if you think that enjoying another person feeling pleasure or, uh, you know, getting something that they need is exactly the same thing as being selfish and being willing to deprive a thousand people of what they need so that you get what you want, if you really think those are the same thing, you're probably one of those people. If you are being selfish, then you're only concerned with your own safety and pleasure, as well as only furthering your own advantages in complete disregard to anyone else around you. Okay, it's true that we're all selfish to a certain degree, but then it's all about how we act on that, how much of our inherent selfishness we bring to the forefront. For example, if we have plenty in life, then surely we should help those around us who are not as fortunate. History has shown time and again that this issue has come into play. Take the French Revolution as an example. In the 1790s, the lower classes growing ever more frustrated by the growing demands of the bloated elite. Years of civil unrest and disorder followed, which in turn sparked a reign of terror. We all have our breaking points at the end of the day, so could anyone blame them? Thinking about it too, human history is full of the oppressed rising up against their oppressor. It's a testament, I suppose, to how destructive inequality and selfishness just is. Also, we're told from a young age that sharing is caring, aren't we? That it's important to look out for each other. Yet why is there still so much inequality in the world? Shouldn't we all be thinking regularly about how some of our peers just won't be as fortunate as us. In some respect, many of us have everything that we actually need, so none of us are ever truly poor. But what exactly differentiates self-love from selfishness? 
Self-love is an entirely different concept and one that we shouldn't feel guilty about. It means we care about ourselves and are looking after our well-being whilst not letting it get to the point where we are disregarding the needs of those around us too much. As you must always remember, aptly summed up by Mr. Spock himself, ultimately, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So how can we actually distinguish self-love from selfishness? And why is selfishness bad? Once again, Aristotle has the answer. People who take more than their fair share are viewed as being selfish. Aristotle says, well, why do they take more than their fair share? Why is it a bad thing? It's a bad thing for other people because the other people are getting screwed over. It's an it's a injustice, right? There's, there's an a imbalance there. It's also bad for them. It's not good to be selfish in that way because they are indulging their appetites, their epithumiae, you know, desires for bodily pleasures. They're, they're indulging all, all their passions, whatever they happen to be, not passion in a good sense like, I have a passion for helping people. Aristotle's not talking about that. He's just talking about you know, our emotional drives and the irrational part of the soul. This really, by being selfish in that way, you strengthen the worst parts of yourself and make it harder for the better part of yourself, the rational part, to actually keep them... But then is being selfish always a bad thing? It's inherent after all, as back in the prehistoric era, tribes thought each other for survival, with the winner always coming out on top. Perhaps being selfish for long periods of time is a bad thing, yes, but if we all weren't a bit selfish, then we wouldn't get anywhere in life as individuals. Think back to when you were a young child. If you didn't get your way, then you'd throw a tantrum or shout or cry. You were told off for it at the time by your parents or carers, of course, but selfishness is actually a valuable, learned trait from your childhood. It's reckoned that children are supposed to be selfish until a certain age, as they're learning from their environments. But be selfish for too long in your life, and then you're in trouble. As if you don't care about love or anything else, then how can you expect for others to care for you too? So what do you think about today's metaphor? Stop setting yourself on fire to keep others warm. Can you think of any examples in your life when you may have been setting yourself on fire, not physically speaking, of course, to keep those around you warm? Oh, I can think of quite a few moments in my life. <laughs> I like to see it as a reminder, a motto, that whatever happens, whatever we might face, that it's just as important to look out for our own well-being as it is to look out for those closest to us. So next time that you're feeling a bit under the weather or life has gotten a little bit too much, remember to take some time out. Put on your favorite film, read your favorite book, whatever it is that's guaranteed to put your mind at ease. There are plenty of people to rely on in our lives, from our family to our friends. That much is true, but ultimately we ourselves should be our greatest friend. to this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something new. We'd love you to share the show with your friends and please feel free to leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify and all major streaming platforms. If you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach us at info at metaphoricallyspeaking.uk. Join us for another metaphor next week. Until then, keep safe. I'm Delia Delore. Bye for now.